Hello to our listeners. Welcome to the Women Governance Trailblazers podcast, where we listen to the journeys of trailblazing women in the corporate governance field, their passions, struggles, and commitment to improving how companies and boards function. My name is Liz Dunchy, and my co-host is Courtney Camlet. Hi, everyone. Courtney and I are both passionate about governance, and we want to spotlight some of the amazing women who share that passion. We're connecting with guests from different paths and industries to hear their perspectives on what surprised them in their career and where they think the field of corporate governance is going. For this episode, we're very excited to be talking with Alicia Surrett. Alicia chairs the board and the Governance Nominating and Sustainability Committee at Digimark, which is a publicly traded technology company. She also recently founded Madam Chair, which is a collaborative group for women who chair public company boards. Alicia founded and runs Pantagrion Capital, a vehicle for early stage investments, and she's also served on various for-profit and nonprofit boards, as well as advisory boards. She has a very full plate. Alicia is going to be sharing more details about all of these activities in our conversation today. Welcome, Alicia, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're super excited to have you here as well. Alicia, you've built a very successful career as an investor, including by building many of the core functions in a multi-billion dollar PE firm, and then by founding your own early stage investment company. Now you're also chairing a public company board. Tell us about how you entered the investment space, which historically has been very male dominated, and how you got into the public company board world. Sure. Okay. So let me take this in two parts. First, I'll talk about the investment space and then I'll, I'll uh, flip over to the public board world. On the investment side, I had always been pretty math inclined growing up. So um, when I chose college, I decided to go business undergrad at Wharton and did a very traditional path, right? Coming out, I did banking and I joined a hedge fund and I was covering stocks. And then things kind of took a little bit of an interesting turn in that I found myself being drawn more towards like the growth of the hedge fund industry and the growth of the firm itself. And so I wound up spending my associate years at uh, Russell Reynolds Associates, where I was doing senior level recruiting in their investment management practice. Hmm. And I have to say it was a pretty phenomenal experience because I was um, at a young age, like meeting people like George Soros or Paul Volcker. I mean, this was wow. super cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I could spend a whole other conversation on, on those conversations, on those um, interactions. But then what happened was uh, Spencer Stewart, um, another recruiting firm, had actually recruited me out of Russell Reynolds to go back to the hedge fund world to launch and build a recruiting function. And so that's kind of where I got, you know, to the operation side, but back to the investment world and um, really kind of built on seniority of positions from there. So I went from running a recruiting function to then moving into my first C-level role. I became chief administrative officer at a major hedge fund and then helped start and build the multi-billion private equity firm that you mentioned. Um, so I was the first employee there and um, really did anything and everything to get the firm up and running. You know, we launched simultaneously in New York, London, Mumbai, Hong Kong. We had 60 employees in the first six months, you know, we launched wow. multi-million dollars in, in assets. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, but it was awesome. And, you know, I was like setting up everything for the first time. But the funny thing was when I, um, when the firm became steady state, I was like sitting in my, you know, corner office on Fifth Avenue, looking out at St. Pat's Cathedral. And I just kind of was like, huh, like the journey was the fun part. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's not just like showing up to work every day and, and yeah. kind of doing the routine things. 
And so that was, that was about 10 years ago that I had that, you know, realization that I needed, you know, the next challenge. And that's when I started my own firm, Pantagrion Capital. So that was, you know, the next stage where I started investing in early stage companies. It was really a connection to the entrepreneurial world and doing investments. Uh, and that was a whole nother career that kind of opened up to me because along the way, I, I was sharing my insights through being a contributor at Inc. Magazine. And then I was teaching entrepreneurial studies at Columbia. And, and then I had this whole media uh, career part of it where I, I was an ongoing guest on um, on this series called Power Pitch on CNBC. And there's a, a show on MSNBC. So I, you know, I was probably on TV a hundred times. So it was, it was just, you know, it's just been this wonderful journey. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And so, and that's, and so that's kind of the, the whole investment side. Like that was my, it has been my career in the investment space. I continue to make uh, early stage investments, but it was really through the, the second part of it, the entrepreneurial part, the investment part in these early stage companies that got me started on the board path. Because what happened was I started mentoring early stage startups. Then I was joining their advisory boards. Then as I was investing in companies, oftentimes I would join their boards if I led the deal, right? So I started right. to build this kind of private board portfolio Then I'm also uh, making donations to nonprofits. So I wound up joining a couple, a couple of boards. And it was really like that progression. I guess a market cap pro- progression is the best way to describe it, where it was kind of like building up to larger and larger companies and then landing in the public company board world to finish. So that, you know, that's kind of the, the brief overview of, of how I got to where I am now. Were you pursuing public company directorships or did people notice you because you were so prominent and reach out to you directly? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a little bit of both because I, I think that the um, the whole experience of writing and speaking publicly and being on TV, I mean, I did a TED Talk that's now had like over 350,000 views, which wow. I, I would never have imagined it it be like that. But, you know, I still have people reaching out to me about that, even though that was years ago. So I think it was that. But also, you know, I, I also um, knew a lot of people. I had a lot of connections in that world. So I think it's a little bit of both. But but I think you're right. There is there's something to be said about building a brand, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and having opportunities kind of come your way because people become familiar with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely helpful, especially in today's environment, uh, when there's so many companies that are public going public and um, mm-hmm. having a brand certainly helps. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Are there things that you've learned as part of joining these public company boards that you think other women who are looking for directorships could replicate? Yeah. You know, it's funny um, you asked me that because I had just recently given a keynote to like 100 some on Wall Street executive women about this. And so this was kind of top of mind. And I would say there are probably four or five main things that I would I would highlight for others that are on this uh, directorship journey. The first is just being familiar with the ecosystem, right? Just all the all the major players that come into the public world ecosystem and the concept, whether it's the concepts of tier companies or knowing who the rating agencies are and, and what role they play or understanding uh, the role of compensation consultants and proxy advisors and regulatory bodies and knowing what DNO insurance is and, and sell-side analysts and the major investors like BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard. That, that I think that's the first step is just like familiarizing yourself with the ecosystem. I think the next thing is understanding all the big topics of the day, you know, things that you talk about all the time on this podcast and understanding diversity concerns and what's going on with climate change and ESG and, you know, just knowing what the acronyms are, TCFD, FASB, mm-hmm. EO1, you know, all the, you know, so 
so that kind of stuff, cybersecurity, what's going on with remote work in the COVID world. And so I, so I think that, um, you know, knowing the ecosystem, knowing the hot topics of the day, the next couple of things I would say would be just familiarizing yourself with the organizations out there that can support you and just like throwing yourself into all the resources. And, you know, on the organization front, uh, I know a lot of women who really have loved working with Athena Alliance. I joined NACD like years before I ever joined a public board. Um, you know, now I'm a member of Extraordinary Women on Boards and WCD, but there's, you know, tons of other groups out there like Board Next for people who are, who are taking that first step. Um, and then resources, it's like, oh, my gosh, where do you start? All the major accounting firms have their board practices, board centers for excellence. You can subscribe to their listservs and, you know, subscribe to the Harvard Law School Forum for Corporate Governance and the Rock Center. And then all the emails that you get from, like, ISS and directors on boards and corporate, you know, just, like, fully immersing yourself in the world. And then by the time you get smart on all these things, and you have an opportunity come your way, like knowing what the preparation is involved to get smart on a company, everything from knowing the website and, and their charters and reading the filings to seeing what people are saying on the message boards and reading the news and listening to earnings calls and, you know, understanding their peer group. So I think it's it's really like full immersion um, in, in understanding the space, because I think that to some extent it is a bit of a different world and you just have to get smart on on so many aspects of the players and what people are talking about and um, and what the services out there that, you know, that exist that can help you on that journey. Yeah. In terms of resources, there's a ton of podcasts that are geared towards public companies, directors, getting on a board, knowing what is yeah. current on a board. And then also there's some great other resources, like the Director Diversity Initiative out of UNC. Um, mm-hmm. I actually signed up with them and I, I work with our local NACD chapter to do programming because it actually helps to really get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, I listen to like 12 different podcasts. There's so many, there's mm-hmm. so many great reasons. It's funny because, you know, I think when Liz and I, when we first connected, I was like, I've been listening to your podcast. I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a fan, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of great resources out there and especially for diverse candidates too, right? Like the executive leadership council mm-hmm. and Latino corporate directors association. I, I contact them to recruit for, um, for my boards. I mean, there's just, there's so much out there. So I think finding your fit is probably one of the, the first steps. It's definitely great advice. Aside from those four main points, do you have other words of advice for women who are pursuing executive or director positions? Yeah, I mean, there are a few things that come to mind. I would say, you know, first, if you're not familiar already with the concept of board bio, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but uh, for people who are considering their first directorship, just understanding that it's less of your CV and the chronology and more of the narrative of the role you would play on a board or the value you bring to them. Um, Understanding Robert's rules of order, (laughs) you know, just knowing how meetings operate and, um, and and getting a sense for that beforehand. Understanding where you would fit on a skills matrix. Mm-hmm. So generally, but also if you're interviewing for a specific position to understand the voids you might fill on that board. And then I think just to reiterate the advice that everyone seems to stress is just tapping into your network, letting people know that you're looking for board positions and talking to people who are on boards. You know, people often ask me just as a, a side note, uh, should I become certified from an organization or, you know, should I talk to recruiters? I, I always tell them, you know, certification certainly don't hurt and and they probably um, help you feel more confident about being smart on the space but it's not like a board is saying oh we only want somebody who's certified um and recruiters are you know they're great to to contact but oftentimes they're working on pretty specific mandates so so really it's tapping into your network i mean that's what 
people seem to stress time and time again. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there, I guess, is, is the parting thought on that front. Good advice. Well, once you're on a board, there's a lot to do. And it seems like yeah. board responsibilities <laughs> yeah. are expanding or like maybe expectations are higher than they used to be. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a view that directors need to be able to learn about and to oversee complex issues, even if it isn't something that's directly aligned with their professional background. Like in the case of ESG, mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of new demands to kind of understand that area. So how do you stay on top of evolving issues and how do you know which questions to ask of management? Yeah. Well, so first of all, let me just say I wholeheartedly agree. It just seems like there's so much, whether it's, you know, making sure that you're doing the right processes with succession planning or a full risk analysis or how you're looking at the skill sets of your board and diversity and onboarding and assessments. I mean, there's, there is, there's just so much. And not only that, but the whole stakeholder concept has really taken hold. So mm-hmm. just sitting on a board means that you're listening to not only your shareholders, but the rating agencies and the sell side analysts and your council and the government bodies and, you know, your employees and community groups and customer supply, you know, it's just, there's so much, there's so much um, out there. And I, and I feel like because of that, I am just like open to tons of different sources of information to stay sp- smart on the space so, you know, in addition to the resources that we just went through, all of the different organizations that you can potentially join and the podcasts and, you know, all of the listers, et cetera, I am following influencers on Twitter. I uh, not only am a member of the NACD, but I'm signing up for their events across the country. I mean, that's one of the great things about uh, COVID, I guess, uh, in, in this re- remote work world is that you now get access to so many different things you might not have before. So I'm like popping into you know, an NACD event in Houston and then one of the research triangle and then one in the Pacific Northwest. And and then I also, I don't know if you're familiar with this app called Feedly, mm. um, but you can basically, you can set it up to um, pull in RSS feeds from any major news source. So mm-hmm. I set it up for like 20 plus different news sources. So every day I'm like scanning title articles from like a hundred different, uh, you know, a hundred different like piece uh, news pieces and maybe zeroing in on like five or six that I really want to read. But that to me is just, you know, it's huge to see like what's going on in the world, what's the curated feed I'm getting from NACD, what's coming out from all the different news sources. I, I, I don't know if there's like one great answer for that other than just full immersion and trying to be on the lookout for things that, that seem to really matter to your board or to the world at large. Well, and you talked about listening to the earnings calls. There's an app called yes. Quarter. That you can yes, actually I'm pull up companies, it. yeah, earnings calls, and you can even just go straight to the Q and A if you just mm-hmm. want to hear what the investors are concerned about, um, which I, I found that fascinating and a great resource. Yeah, yeah, I use a different app, but I read about Quarter recently too. I think that's great. Uh, there are a couple of guys that I sit on the board with, and they're like, "Oh, we just like reading the transcript." And I remember thinking when they said that, like, I like hearing it. I like hearing the tone and how people respond to the, the questions. You know, I think that, that that tells you a lot, but um, but you can certainly get the, tr- you know, get through the transcript much quicker, I think, than, than listening to the call. You can, but you can't do it on elliptical trainer. It's much easier to listen <laughs> to, to, uh, to the audio. That's right. That's exactly right. When I'm putting on my makeup is when I get through most of these podcasts. So I hear you. So highlighting your entrepreneurial spirit, you recently founded a new organization, Madam Chair, to connect women chairs of publicly traded companies, which is a very exciting organization for me. What type of resources are you offering 
And is there anything that we or our listeners can do to help you achieve your mission? Um, yes, definitely. Uh, so let me, I guess, maybe take a step back and just give some background on it. So I, I first took on my chair role in April of this year. And at the time, it wasn't something that I you know, had as part of like a master plan. I remember thinking, oh, I wish I knew other chairs, especially women. That would be helpful. Like, I'd love to bounce ideas off of them. And um, I wound up through one of my contacts getting access to a list of all the women who chair public companies, which, as you know, it's not that much, right? They're, it's only 5% of public company chairs, but it is about 300 people, right? So I kind of rolled up my sleeves, went on LinkedIn and started researching everyone, reached out to all of the people that I could verify that, you know, those were the people. And um, within the first month, I had 65 plus women who were chairs of uh, publicly traded companies join the organization. And so, you know, one of the first things we did was um, share resources with each other, any recommendations, I compiled them and sent them out to the group. And that's everything from recommended books, newsletters, groups, podcasts, everything that, you know, we've talked about earlier, just making sure that we've level set and everybody in the group has access to everybody else's recommendations. Hmm. But the second part of it, and this is this is really what we've just started and what will be, what will be ongoing, is creating a format for us to interact with each other so that we can start to get to know each other and have these organic connections and learn from thought leaders in the industry. So I basically set up a meeting once a month where we have 30 minutes dedicated to Q&A, like a fireside chat with a thought leader, and then 30 minutes where we do breakout rooms, get to know each other in a more intimate setting and um, exchange ideas and then kind of all uh, all come back together. We, you know, one, once a month for an hour, that's pretty much it. And we actually had our first event um, just recently. We had a portfolio manager from Calsters come in and speak to our group, and it was great. She's amazing. Um, and then we have speakers set up for the next few months. So we have Holly Gregory, mm-hmm. uh, partner and co-head of the Global Cover- uh, Corporate Governance and Executive Compensation Group at Sidley. We have Robin Farrakhone, the CEO of Ferriant Advisors, a compensation consultant. We have Jim Rossman, uh, co-head of Lazard's Capital Markets Advisory Group, speaking to us about activists. You know, and I and I have some more ideas going forward. But I think, um, you know, that's that's kind of what we're hoping to provide each other with is connections and information to support each other in our respective leadership goals. And um, just a, a final point on that front, because you did ask how you might be able to. Uh, how you, you might be able to help is um, just help spread the word. You know, I think if there are people who are female public chairs of, of companies that uh, I wasn't able to reach on LinkedIn, or maybe they're not on LinkedIn, if they want to join, they should just feel free to reach out. And then going forward in the new year, I'll probably set up the um, next set of uh, speakers. And so if there are really great thought leaders out there that that would be relevant to our group, you know, that's, that's something that I'll be planning in the future. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Everybody I've met so far has just been phenomenal. And it's left me with um, a lot of excitement about how, not only how we can support each other, but how we can be more supportive of getting more leadership, uh, more women in leadership in these, you know, position and boards uh, across the country. So, you know, TBD on on the plans on that front, but I I think we're hoping to really help make progress on on the um, broader front too. Yeah, I would think that you're going to get requests pouring in to be the speaker at your Monday sessions because yeah. it's, it's, it's such a great so. concept. <laughs> and also it's such an action-packed group, right? Like just with our last event, we had 20-plus female chairs of publicly traded companies. Like that's just – they're just so influential and so successful. Like this is – you know, it's just such a great audience. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure those meetings are very energizing for everybody involved, too, to be able to connect with each other and with the thought leaders. So that's great. We, yeah. Courtney and I will definitely um, keep that in mind in terms of recommending the group to people and recommending speakers to you. Awesome. And I hope that our listeners, too, can connect with you on LinkedIn if they feel like um, they could be, if, if they could fit the criteria for membership in the group, or if they know somebody who could be a good speaker. We have 20% of, of the publicly traded company female chairs now. That's so, great. you know, it's a good yeah. base, but we want more. So we'll yeah. go from there. Are the breakout groups, um, do those stay the same from meeting to meeting? And do you organize those by industry or do you just kind of mix those up so that everybody can meet each other over the course of a year or however long? Yeah, the go- the goal is to mix them up over time to really cross pollinate. Yeah. So this last time we did it by market mm-hmm. cap. So we had a a Russell three thousand group, an S and P you know four to six hundred group. We had a non Russell group, but I think over time we'll have industries, we'll have geographies. A lot of the women in the group also chair respective committees, right? So I chair non government, but there's a lot of people in the group who also take on the committee leadership roles. So we might have it broken up on that front. But I, yeah, I'd like to have everyone get a chance to meet each other because I do think that regardless of industry or market cap, et cetera, we have a shared experience. Right. And the the women I've met so far, they're just lovely. I mean, they're just really wonderful, inspiring people. And so um, I know I want to meet them all. I hope they want to meet each other yeah. too. So I'll hope to help facilitate yeah. that. Yeah, that's great. So our final question that we ask all of our guests, I'm excited to hear your answer because you mentioned stakeholders earlier, and that's you know mm-hmm. something that we're very focused on. And so our question is, what do you think women in the corporate governance field can add to the current conversation on the societal role of companies? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I thought a lot about this, and I, you know, I guess the, the first fundamental concept that I would stress, which is not news to anyone by now, is that quite obviously diversity leads to, to better performance, but, but why? I mean, that I was kind of thinking like, what's the crux of what I think um, the value is that women can bring. I was thinking about how my husband and I are both parents, right? We have a two-year-old daughter at home, but um, because of our gender, we really do have different perspectives on being a parent, right? Like we just completely different perspectives. Our experiences as parents are very different. The products that we've consumed or, or used associated with being a parent is different based on, on gender, given my own experience, you know, at the hospital, et cetera. Um, are the policies that the companies have had have affected us differently? How much time he's been able to spend with our daughter versus um, me, you know, just our different experiences with service providers, et cetera. And I was just thinking like at the crux of, of that diversity is really the different perspectives Mm -hmm. that women and men bring to the table, even holding the same Mm -hmm. role, right? Even holding the same kind of corporate governance role. And I think that um, you're right. You you hit it spot on is that when you're in in a a position to respond to such a broad stakeholder base and you have men and women in that, in that group, men and women, customers, men and women, employees, suppliers, community groups, if you're not getting those different perspectives, you're not getting all the data. Right. And without all the data, how can you make informed decisions as a company? I mean, that's to me what the the heart of the matter is, is that as a company, you you want to be as informed as possible to make great decisions, not only now, but also as you set the strategy and then you respond to the broader markets going forward. How can you even be predictive in any way when you don't have all this perspectives, when you don't have all the data? So, 
you know, it is somewhat of a broad answer, but I would say I think what women bring to the table, and, and I'm saying this precisely because women have not always been at the table in so many of these decisions, is a better informed process, a more diligent, a more comprehensive, a smarter process because you're incorporating all the perspectives, because you're, you're taking the time to get all of the data. And so, I mean, I think that's that's really the heart of it is that um, it's a it's a much better process. And I think bringing all the perspectives to the table results in better performance, period. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of Women Governance Trailblazers. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use for podcasts. And we would love if you would rate us while you're there. Thanks, Alicia. Thank you.